Hello, and welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you love. From business, entrepreneurship, travel, starting and sustaining a digital nomad lifestyle, and of course, making money online and investing, we talk about all of it here. So let's dive into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. This is our Digital Nomad Digest segment. And this week, we have a fun topic that we're going to dive into, which is ways to make money as a digital nomad on the road. There are, Cammie and I were just talking about this off of air, there are so, so many ways to make money. But I do think that there are some prerequisites, of course, that you need before just jumping into nomad life and expecting to make a bunch of money. So we're going to kind of dive into what that scope looks like today, what that has looked like for us, how we decided the direction that we wanted to go in as nomads when we started our journey. So Cammie, share with me a little bit more about what that looks like for you, and then we can kind of dive in from there. I think that the when you start on this journey, it's harder to see all of the potential and the possibilities, and then eventually as time goes by you start seeing more and more and more possibilities and then you start meeting more people and you know each one ended up creating their own unique way of making money so i really love connecting to different nomads because of that i think it opens up so many different i don't know spectrums of income streams you know and what i want to preface this episode by saying i think You know, five, six years ago, if I saw the title of this episode, I would click on it without even thinking. And I would be like, oh, my God, give me all of the juice, all of the details. And of course, we're going to make the most out of this. And we're going to, you know, make the most we're going to really make a great effort to give you a lot of information. But I really want to want to say before we start that although there are several ways to make money, you have to really understand that it's something that you slowly build you know I don't want to discourage people but I also don't want to set an expectation that is something that will set up you to failure you know so really yeah just go come back to yourself understand what makes sense for you what doesn't make sense for you and also that these things take time however also know that there is so much potential out there and I think that things are growing a lot you know the creator economy is growing the nomad economy is growing everything is becoming way more remote and things like that so i think that there is a lot of potential so this is something that is meant to inspire you but at the same time keeping you with the two feet on the ground just to make sure that you're not putting one feet in front of one foot in front of the other so i'll say that there are several indicators that or several, I don't know how to, like several different compasses that will lead you to how do I want to make money as a nomad? I think that the way that I started personally was the I want to make money quick, the quickest that I can. And for me, when I discovered that I could make money by writing texts, like copy with copywriting, just writing words on a piece of paper and selling on a piece of paper, not a piece of paper, on a Word document and sell it and that people would actually pay for it. I didn't even think twice. So 
I started actually selling copywriting articles on Fiverr, which is a huge freelance platform. I know that there is also Upwork. So make sure if you're listening to check out those two, Fiverr and Upwork. However, if you are a more experienced freelancer, maybe you'll get a little bit frustrated on Fiverr. That's the experience that I had after some time working with copywriting because Fiverr is a more lower end in terms of pricing. So you do end up not being able to charge a lot for your work. But if you are starting out and you're just dabbling with it, you're just practicing and you want to make some extra money, Fiverr was so, so good for me. I started, I don't know, being in contact with clients. I started understanding how to be a freelancer, how to manage clients by myself, what type of content they like. It really helped me to recognize and value my work as well because I had never sold copywriting articles or I didn't even know that people would pay to for, pay me to write captions for Instagram, for example. And that is something that I get. I got some clients off of that as well. And I used Fiverr as a way to I also honor uh, my passions when I was in Fiverr. So I wasn't just selling copywriting and articles for anyone. I focused on the industry of spirituality, wellness and health and personal development, which are the industries that I am most knowledgeable in. And I don't have to do a lot of research because I have a, a lot of content within me already. And it's a much more, the, the articles, they were more, much more inspirational based than really something that I had to research. Of course, there were some that, I, some that I had to research and then, of course, I would research. But in general, they were more, much more inspirational. And those are things that I write for myself already in a very easy and quick way. So I just ended up finding a way that I could monetize that. So I think that one of the reasons why I was quite successful in Fiverr and I was able to find clients weekly, daily in the time that I was there was because I ended up niching down to the wellness industry, spiritual industry. So I think that if I had just set up my profile on Fiverr for copywriting articles, then I would be competing with, you know, thousands of other freelancers there. And when I niched down and I was putting that I were, I was only creating articles on spirituality and wellness, I think that that gave me more authority and also less people to compete with. So yeah, I'll say that for me personally, the way that I started out, it's not like that now, but it was, okay, I found that this is a way that I can make money. It's relatively quick. And then how can I make it closer to something that I love? What about you? So we are totally different in our approaches to most things in Nomad Life, which is really cool and I love. So for me, when I started, it's funny that you mentioned you basically wanted to just make money online as quickly as possible. I, of course, wanted the same, but I feel like I kind of took a different route because for me, I knew that I wanted to build something that wasn't necessarily money in the door as quick as possible, but something that had a solid foundation that was scalable. That's kind of where I started. So I started in my basement at home in Canada when I was stuck in Canada during the pandemic. And then eventually went back to China and going back to China, I knew like I was saying no to a lot of things, to hanging out with friends, to seeing people because I was like, my priority is building something that can make a lot of money. It doesn't need to make a lot of money right now, but something that is scalable, something that 
is really sustainable for me and something that I enjoy. So it took like probably say at least six to eight months. Um, and I was in China for a year. Or so yeah, probably about eight months. It took for me to really build something that was scalable that I knew I could eventually make good money off of, even if at the time it wasn't something that I could necessarily travel the world with in the first like year, six to eight months, whatever that looks like. So I did say no to a lot of things. And I think that that's really important. I always like to mention that because that's important to note within the journey of like, it was my last six months year in China. And I was like, nope, I can't go out with you on a Friday night or like, nope, I can't do this fun thing. And of course, I didn't like restrict and limit everything. But it was a very different environment for me going back, knowing that entrepreneurialism was something that I wanted to pursue in the future versus just being a nine to five worker and like going out every Friday night with friends and going and doing things and having I knew that wasn't what was really going to get me to where I wanted to go. And I also wanted to focus on the entrepreneurial mindset as well. So I find that really interesting, kind of our different ways of how we started. And for me, I view it as, and we were just talking about this off of air, I view it as kind of there's two paths you can take to really make money online. And the first one is the one that you took, which I love which is your interest. You figured out what you were interested in, which is spirituality, wellness, and then you kind of went down that route. Whereas for me, I didn't have one defined area that I knew beforehand that I was going to go into, but I knew I was going to be passionate wherever the money was made. So it wasn't necessarily me being like, okay, I'm only going to work in this niche or with this type of people. And of course, you know, I think there's a lot to say for niching down and I have as well. But when I first started, I didn't really know what I wanted or where my interest was. So I was just kind of like, whatever makes the most money for me and my business is where my passion is. And, and, you know, you were saying too, you're so passionate about, you know, teaching other people what digital nomad life looks like and behind the scenes and the money aspect. And yes, but that developed over time. And I kind of have two different aspects. I have the Nomad Neeks, which is a personal brand, which does talk more about that type of stuff. Um, but then I also have my business, which has absolutely nothing to do with that. I have a marketing agency and we help clients within our specific niche and we help them get results and get more customers, you know. So is that have anything to do with Nomad Life? No, but it's something that I am passionate about because it's something I've built up a skill in and something that I have an interest in and that I know that there is money. And of course, if you work hard, the money by no means would have just come if I had of continued doing it. It's something that you actually have to go out and pursue and understand the skill set. But yeah, in saying that, so when I first started, and I would be curious what your take on this as well is, because I did the whole like Instagram for business thing. And I was just like, after a year of doing it, it was like quite a while on my business account. I was like, this is this is not the way to go. And so for me, I don't really even do anything Instagram for the business aspect for Novaniques. Of course I do. And I love that. And it's so much fun. But for the business, like I was not getting clients from Instagram. So I really had to figure out where am I getting people from? And in the beginning, that looks like referrals, which was amazing. You know, if you do good work, then people are going to refer you. That's just how it works, especially within the local community. But yeah, I got a lot of referrals. I figured out what was working, where people were coming from, where people were not coming from. And now I have one or two main sources of where people come from. And I don't deal with social media or business, to be completely honest, because I know that my time and my ROI on my time can be spent much better elsewhere than social media to instead of having those people come to me, I just go to those people. 
interesting. A question that I have for you is how did you find out where the money was in your specific, what did you use a specific tactic or because you mentioned a little bit before in your journey that you started doing coaching and then you ended up switching it to a more scalable process. So I will say like trial and error is a big part of it. I had clients in the beginning and I figured out what I enjoyed to a degree, um, where the money could be made. And then that was really the biggest factor. You know, is this an industry? Is this a niche where people are spending enough money? And some of my clients, the answer was a yes, which was amazing. And I still work within, you know, some of those niches. And I really niche down to some of those areas, which is awesome because it's a, they're huge industries. Whereas others, maybe they're huge industries, but the price point of a typical client is not going to be high enough. And so I was like, this is this is good. And this is, can be something that, you know, maybe I delegate to somebody on my team to help me with that, like do a lot of that work kind of on my behalf, but not a niche or an area that I knew that I really wanted to work in. And then Honestly, I love just going on ChatGPT and looking up, you know, the high income niches and where things are and what money can be made. And there are many different ways that you would never think of online where money can be made into, you know, let's take like the healthcare niche, which is a huge niche. There are so many, if you think of 10 different areas within healthcare that you could make money, multiply that by like another 10 or 20. There's so many specific sub-niches that you can niche into and there's money in all of them. But first of all, you have to make sure that that niche and that sub-niche is going to be high ticket enough because if something is 100 bucks or 200 bucks, for me, that's not high ticket enough. It needs to be like a few thousand dollars in order for me to really work with that client to get them results, to to get me results within my business. So really kind of just yeah, a little bit of critical thinking. And then for me, I worked with clients and I figured out that that was what I wanted to work in within which niche and where I wanted to sub-niche and what was just not going to be enough for me. And how do you, what would you say for someone who's starting out in this journey, but they are dealing with some imposter syndrome in regards to what type of services to offer? Because like in my case, I already felt pretty good about my copywriting because it is it was something that my entire life people had complimented a lot and it was something that I knew was a strength of mine. So I'm just wondering in your case, if the services that you started offering and that you offer right now, there were things that you were already working with or you were confident in and then you were like, okay, that's fine. Or how did you build the confidence or even the knowledge to actually offer them? Yeah. Honestly, all I'm going to say to that is like, I'm confident in myself. I have been in marketing for a few years now, not an entire lifetime, but I'm confident and I'm very tech savvy as well. And so I think I use that to my advantage a lot. And I am just confident in myself that I can figure it out. And yeah, that's how I started. I didn't have like we were previously talking about, I didn't have one specific area for you. It was health and wellness and spirituality. And I didn't have that one area. So for me, it was just kind of saying, you know what? I am interested in these specific areas. I started doing a lot of tech backend things because that was my interest using different software programs when I first started and helping clients with that and kind of the back end of their business and knowing if I don't know it, then I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, there's a lot of imposter syndrome. There still is. I think that's you'll talk to millionaires who still have imposter syndrome sometimes within their business, especially when I'm trying something new and I'm testing something with a client or like testing certain ads or something. And I'm like, 
okay, is this going to work? Like there's, there's still a lot of imposter syndrome, but I think that's really normal and just kind of being confident in yourself and knowing that you're going to figure it out. And if I saw something you enjoy, then it can be something that you don't do in the future, whether it's a service or a niche or why am even, you know, that you're not ever stuck to one specific thing. But for me, I really niched down on the service that I provided, the industry that I work with, and then just went after them. I think that's so inspirational because I know so many people, myself included, that we stop ourselves from going after something because we either don't believe in ourselves or we're just so afraid of getting it wrong or of failing, quote unquote. You know, nowadays, I'm really rewriting the concept of failure in my mind, kind of like trying to show myself that there's no such thing as failure. And from what you just expressed, it almost sounds like your brain is wired into that. It's like, no, 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 I'm not failing. I'm try either I'm experimenting with my client or I'm actually going to learn more and more about it until I figure it out. And I think that is such an resourceful and also entrepreneurial mindset you have and really inspirational as well for anyone listening to, you know, bring that into their lives, especially as a nomad, you know, it is something that you can figure out and just work with it. One thing I want to say on that, um, that you speaking really made me think of. And so for me, and I, I feel like everyone's take is very different, but within the finance and investing community, it's really interesting because you will hear, and there are some podcasts that I love, some speakers that I absolutely love, and it's, it's factual. It is proven in statistics that women, and I'm just using finance and investing as an example, women are less likely to invest. Women are more likely to ask the questions and overthink. And usually men in a lot of spaces, not every space, but investing is just a really great example because I think it's very blatant to see men are the ones who will make more money, will start day trading, will, you know, they will just do it. And maybe they're going to lose a lot of money and a lot of do because they don't know what they're doing, but that doesn't stop them. They don't know what they're doing. They still do it anyway. And maybe they're going to lose a lot of money. Well, they're going to learn a lesson. You know, I've, I've been there in investing too. <laughs> and I uh, wish I hadn't, but I have. So I try to adopt that mindset when it comes to business. And so whenever I, and it's so funny because you'll go on my YouTube and my entire page, you just keep scrolling and it's all men. And I wish there was more women in the space. And I do plan on making more not even finance and investing videos, but more business videos um, once I kind of have more time on my plate. But that is something I want to do because there are almost no women who are talking about doing what you want within business, going after what you want, just getting the clients that you want, like going after them and pursuing them, figuring it out. So I try to adopt kind of a very, and I wish it wasn't this way, but a very more masculine mindset when it comes to figuring it out. And I like watching these other guys and seeing what they're doing and how they have scaled and grown their business to multi-millions because it makes it really inspiring. But unfortunately, there's no women out there doing that. And I, we, uh, you know, men and women are different and we have different mindsets. We have different strengths. Women are amazing at a lot more things than guys in a lot of areas. But when it comes to just doing it and having the blatant confidence for literally no reason, I think women lack that in a lot of very like hard skill, not soft skill, but hard skills. So I try to kind of adopt that more masculine mindset when it comes to business. And, you know, when I hop on calls, like I'm not 
oh my gosh, hi, my name's Nicole. Like I literally have in my script, low voice. <laughs> There's a reason, you know? So, and it, it works and it converts. And so I think that there is kind of something to be said on that as well, which is unfortunate, but that's that's kind of the way it goes. And so that's what I have had to adopt. And I think I, I am very left-brained and I, I can be very like critical. So it, it helps for me. And I know not every woman, maybe that's not the way that they want to pursue business, but that's kind of the way that I have seen some success. That is so interesting. We, me and Nicole, we've known each other for not that long, like six months. I didn't know that part of you. It's the first thought I'm uncovering this. So it's so interesting to me as like a friend of yours and co-host of this podcast. But I totally, totally agree with you. I actually, um, so I'm a certified health coach by IIN. And we had like within the course that we did within the certification, we had talks and it was online and everything. We had courses and talks on many different facets of life, including finances and how we deal with money in a holistic way, blah, blah, blah. There was this one talk that I saw from a woman that she was talking to women, basically, from a finance standpoint. And I don't remember the numbers exactly, but she was giving examples of how women in the workspace, like in the in corporate in the corporate world, whenever they get a job, it's only like, I don't know, 40%. Again, none of these numbers are correct. I'm just throwing them out, but it's something like that. Like just like 40 or 30% of women in the workspace, they negotiate their salary. However, when you look at men, when they start off a a new job, normally the tendency of them to negotiate the salary is like 90%, you know, so 90% of the men will negotiate, only 30, 40% of the women will negotiate. Then she did a call, she showed them a calculation that in the span of, I don't know, 10 years, if that woman never asks for a promotion, never negotiates her salary on a new job versus the men that will always ask for a promotion and always negotiate their salary in a span of like 10 years, let's say, there was a difference of, I don't know, like $1 million in their income overall. And it shocked me when I saw that because I myself, as a woman, I have never, after I saw that, I started doing it, but I had never before negotiated my salary. No, I'm, uh, it's, a, it's a lie. Like I remember doing it once, but you know, when I got my first job, as an intern, I was so grateful also because it was kind of like the job of my dreams, you know, in this fashion friend research company and everything. And I was almost like, oh my God, thank you, you know, for paying me something because I would do this for free. And I remember that the same intern that she was a woman, but she was way more like, she had this way more masculine and driven energy and way more like I fucking know my worth, you know, she actually got into the job and she was making, I don't know, almost double what I was making and she was doing almost the same job. She was an intern. She was doing the same amount of hours. And I, but I hadn't had the gut and the, I don't know, just the bulk of the culture negotiate it, you know, negotiate my salary. So, uh, and, and she had, and I remember that when I discovered that I was pretty pissed, but at the same time, I know so many people that are in the same situation, men and women, but the women more normally. And it's so 
yeah, it frustrates me so much because women are so smart and they can do so much. And normally they can be even smarter than normally they are. I don't want to say they are smart, always smarter than men, but I will say that normally women are smarter than men, especially for their age. Um, like we're way more mature. We know things better. We just can do better things like quicker. And we, I think we figure out things quicker. We can't, we're also, we can multi multitask way more, way better. We're way more connected with other people. We can forge connections in, in a deep, I don't know. Women are just so fucking powerful. And it saddens me that because of the lack of confidence that we have in this, in the workspace and how we weren't taught to have the self-confidence of normally a white male because that's like when you boil it down you know there are like several I think in Barbie even they joke about it like I wish I had the self or or, I don't know there's a meme that's like I wish I had the self-confidence of a white old male you know because they just think that they know everything and they just go out and do it and they don't care about anything else so I I really like that 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 mindset because it it is something that I've been trying to bring into my space because I've had a lot of people look at my business, my profile, you know, the Blossom Experiment, not my my freelance with social media and marketing and things like that. But and they are telling me like you're leaving money on the table because you know so much, you have a lot of potential, you have a lot of content, and you are just not taking the money because you don't believe in yourself. And if it was maybe my knowledge in a white male's body, maybe they would be like a millionaire already, you know? And I'm here putting myself down, full of imposter syndrome, saying that I don't know this, I don't know that, instead of just saying like, fuck this, I'm going to do it. And I, and I love having this conversation with you because I think that as a nomad, the more the time passes, the more I realize how many income streams there are you know, to be used and that I can make money from on the digital space. And then it's the second question. I think the first question is, first, do I want to make money from these places? Because sometimes, you know, you just don't want to put the energy in it. You don't like it. You know, you know, you have the idea, you know how to do it, but you're like, okay, but this is not for me. And then second, if you really do want to do it, then what's stopping you from doing it? Are you, what are you scared of? And then I think that we get into a lot of like mindset stuff in regards to I I don't believe that I can, I'm not good enough, blah, 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 and all of this, the things that stop us from going after it. I completely agree. And I think there is also something to be said about that on, like for me, I try to audit my time. You're so right. There are so many ways to make money online and for me, I really have to figure out what is what what am I going to enjoy doing? And enjoy can be, you know, creating content and doing things for no money. Enjoy can also be making money and, and working with clients in an industry that I am not in, in an industry that I would never go into. But I have a specific skill set that can help that industry and those business owners, you know. So I think there is something to be said too about like auditing your time and you like you said you can do anything there's so many ways to make money online and i think it would be interesting for us to kind of talk some of those through and what we have done uh, to give some listeners ideas but yeah it's really it comes down to what do you want because there's a lot of a lot of times where i'm like oh my gosh i feel like there's so much i want to do and there's just not enough time in the day and i have multiple different boards i keep everything organized for me and my clickup 
business, personal, like everything. And so, you know, I, I have multiple different boards of like, do this and do this. And it's like, okay, that's great. But what are the priorities right now? And then once I hit X stage, whatever I have set that stage to look like, whether it's an income goal or a client goal or like whatever, you know, that scaling goal looks like, it's like, okay, well, then I can focus on X instead of continuing to further and grow the first aspect of it, if that makes sense, because I'm already happy where that's at. So for me, it's kind of all about prioritizing. And I mean, the nomad life is also an added layer of complication because there's so many times when I'm like, I want to, you know, I'm in a new city and I want to go explore or I want to do this really cool experience or I want to go for lunch with a friend for three hours to the middle of the day, you know? And so it's really kind of prioritizing what is important to you. And for me, growing and scaling my business is just as important as traveling. So a lot of the time I, and I try to be as transparent as possible about it on my Instagram specifically because stories makes it really easy that, yeah, I'm a nomad and I travel, but a lot of the time I'm like sitting in front of my computer, I'm on my phone, I'm not out traveling and exploring. And yes, sometimes I am, but that's a priority, but also growing and scaling something that's bigger than me is also a priority. Um, so it's really just kind of figuring out. And I think that's important when you're starting as well. Like, what is your priority? What's the somewhat, not the end goal, but like the one, two, three year goal? What does that look like for you? And how can you get there? And it's not going to look like traveling and exploring every day unless you're doing content creation. And then it might, you know, and I know a lot of people who do do that and that's their full time income and they make money from that. And so yeah, that's that's completely different. But then at the same time, you're traveling and you are still doing a lot of admin work to work out partnerships and different things like that. But you're traveling with a purpose, not just to enjoy, but you have to have KPIs that you hit and that you're reaching while you are traveling, you know, getting the certain shots and angles. And, you know, I've done that and it's not always it, it is enjoyable. But at the same time, it's like you're you're there for a reason. Like before you can relax in your Airbnb, you have to take a bunch of photos and videos and make sure your bags aren't in the room. And, you know, so there's kind of something to be said about any any aspect. It's, it's always going to be work, whatever you choose. I think that the content creation thing is such a misunderstanding or like a misinterpreted because, you know, we see people creating content and we're like, ah, it's so easy. And really, when you start being the person who's creating content, even if it is like a little vlog of the day, honestly, like when I do little vlogs of the day, even for TikTok, you know, it's not even YouTube full on 10 minute vlogs, vlogs like a freaking 30 second vlog of my day. It's the fact that you have to think about it and remember and then do the shot and then maybe do it afterwards again. And then, you know, you're alone and you want to get a shot of yourself and then place the phone like on the streets and then you walk and then you come back to your phone see if it's okay it's not okay you place it again you walk you know and then you're the crazy weird person on the streets taking that shot alone or like someone's taking that shot for you and then you're just posing there i don't know there it's really fun i I also really enjoy it but there are aspects of it that is a job you know it's still um, something that you're doing with a certain purpose and yeah it's like and then there's the whole part of editing it and making sure that it's nicely you know that has it has a nice storytelling and then you post it and then you have the there's also the the, the chance that you're going to post it 
and it's going to flop and no one's going to engage with it. No one's going to like it. And then it's like a whole day of content creation for literally very small return in the first place. So it's really, really like the biggest delay of gratification that you have is creating content online. Even, you know, with the podcast, how many like how many hours per week I spend, you spend creating this content. You know, my gratification is being here with you and having this conversation and enjoying it. Creating the content and building what I want to build is a priority. And then it comes back to what I was talking about. If, you know, like once you hit a certain point being like, okay, I can stop this. Like I can focus my time elsewhere. But yeah, I totally feel you on the content creation. And it's like, it's so funny because when I'll watch travel YouTube videos, I see the creator like, going i watched one recently and the creator is like on her motorbike and then there's like the the film of her motorbike leaving the parking lot and i don't even think of it as like a nice clip anymore because i know what the behind the scenes is and i'm like oh my gosh that would be a nightmare to film set up your camera you have to get on the bike you have to leave you have to get off the bike you have to come back to get the camera get back on the bike like it it's like three times longer for everything and for me i'm a very i like things to be done quick and fast and that's why i'm great in business but sometimes content creation can just be like oh it's so painful for me because it's not a fast process no not at all yeah the behind the scenes is really funny there are some uh, before I, I actually want to switch gears on the and then go to a more like practical thing but before i i jump on, on that uh, there is this little trend on tiktok going on that's like that influencer that uh, that's human that influencer getting the shot of her waking up so it's like she gets up puts the phone on the, you know, on the tripod, goes back to bed, covers herself again, closes her eyes, and then pretends she's waking up. Like when you see, like when you start creating the content and when you know the behind the scenes, it's, it becomes cringy AF. But at the same time, when you're the one watching, it's really interesting. You know, it is an interesting kind of like a bird's eye view, you know, of the whole inside of, of the person's day so it is yeah i i totally get your point though it is yeah it's like a whole another thing but anyways what i want to choose to just switch gears to is so we talked about like a lot of mindset stuff and everything so what were one of the what were a few of the services that you found that um, are monetizable in regards to uh, marketing and digital online marketing, just so people have like a few ideas of what are some of the services. So I mentioned copywriting. I also mentioned like social media management. So what are some of the services that people could look into? Ooh, this is tough because like for me to actually just give like a few concrete I know it's really great for examples but it's so hard for me to do because I really truly do believe that you can make money in literally anything and that's why I'm really hesitant to say like one thing or the other but to preface you can make money in literally anything in the online space which I completely believe is true at the same time anything you do and it might seem very easy like creating a course you know you can film videos yourself and put it up or it could seem very difficult. And maybe you don't have the skill set to do coding. Both of those jobs are going to take the same amount of effort to to not necessarily create, but to market, to advertise, to get clients or to get people in your course. So for me, there was a quote by mom and I liked it. It was like three years ago, though. It was during COVID. So 
a little bit hard for me to remember now, but there was a quote like something along the lines of whether you're trying to make $1 or $100, it's going to take the same amount of effort. So for me, I try to always keep that in mind because whether what what I'm doing, if, you know, I, I just came out with a course recently, a mini course, it's a very specific niche, so I don't market it too much. It's more for like my YouTube subscribers, but very specific niche on residency and the residency process and what that looks like for me, a mini course. And that marketing and doing that is taking the same amount of effort as to get clients who pay me thousands of dollars per month. So which one am I going to focus on? You know, yeah, I have the mini course, which is great and helps people. But if it, that's more of kind of like an evergreen, I mentioned it in my videos. If you want it, get it. I'll keep updating it whenever new things come out, whenever, you know, I go back to Paraguay and there's updates, whatever that may look like. That's not something I'm actively spending my time on because I know where I want to spend my time on, what I'm passionate about spending my time on, where the money comes from. And they're both going to take the same amount of effort to market and advertise. Maybe with YouTube, it's great because people are always searching for those videos and always asking me questions. So it's great because it's a little bit more evergreen, which is why I kind of like YouTube a little bit more as my like favorite social platform lately. But yeah, I don't know. So I, I have kind of a difficult time saying like, get started in this. I think get started in an area that you enjoy, in an area that you either have skills is probably what I would suggest or an area that you're interested in. If you uh, want to learn those skills, like for me, I loved tech and backend and using different software and integrated that. So for me, that was like fun to start out and I enjoy doing that. But it wasn't going to be where the money was in the future. And for me, I wanted to go where the money was. That may not be the case for you. But yeah, I would say, you know, figure out what you really enjoy and what is scalable and what you're starting now. Think about the future. When I started, I didn't think about three years in the future. And that's why I had to pivot and shift because what I was doing was not sustainable. It was basically just giving away my time when I first started, which was cool. And I was making money online and that was great, but not something that was scalable. And I didn't think about what that looked like until I got burnt out and until I was like, oh my gosh, I hate this. Like, why am I so burnt out? And I had never felt burnout really before, especially in business. And then I felt it and I was like, I don't know why I didn't think of this three years ago because this is clearly not a scalable business model. And so I had to change that quickly and figure out where the money was. And yeah, it takes the same amount of effort. So figure out what you enjoy or where you can make money, whatever that looks like for you. And then just start marketing the shit out of it. And that may look different for everybody. Like for me, I said social media wasn't really where I wanted to market because I didn't really see a return on the investment of time that I was I really love the thought process and the quote as well. And <clears throat> I think that that is really, really an interesting approach because sometimes I think it's easy for us to think that certain things are easier to be sold. And maybe they are, but at the same time, you're still going to have to put effort into it. You know, even if you are like scouting the internet for clients anywhere in the world, like in Google, in Facebook, in Instagram, anywhere, you're still putting energy into that. So it's you're still putting time into that. So if you're spending one hour scouting Google, you could be spending one hour, I don't know, tweaking a um, like a Google, um, sorry, a Facebook ads on Meta and studying that to make sure that your online course is reaching more people. And then that one hour will bring you way more clients in the thing that you really, really enjoy because you're selling that online course. And it is something that, I don't know, I sometimes have this idea almost like 
yeah, no one will want this, you know, no one will buy this or something like that. But I think that we constantly forget, I constantly forget that there are like plus 7 billion people in the world. And I think that, that, you know, if I'm interested in something, maybe other people are as well. And it's all about trial and error. So this is a mindset that I've been trying to bring into my life for the past months a lot. It's And I think that it's a mindset that you had a lot in your own story. You know, it's like when you burnt out, when you burnt out, you weren't thinking to yourself, oh my God, I'm a failure. Oh my God, Nicole, you failed again. You piece of, you know, whatever. And like, tie yourself and beating yourself up. You were like, okay interesting information I burnt out. What can I do to scale this and make this a more smart way of my time and resources? And I think that is such a powerful mindset for us to have, especially when we are wanting to make money online. So I will say that I think that some of the common ways that we see in the digital nomad online space is course, either you talk about this a lot, either you're working for a company and you are employed, employed remotely by them, or you are working something by yourself, either you're a freelance or you're a business owner. I think that you can make money by selling online courses. You can sell coaching programs, um, you know, one-on-one sessions. You can be a consultant. Mm, what else? You can send, sell eBooks. You can sell like, there are so many people that make, make, make so much money on eBay. I meant Etsy. Yeah. That they sell products connected to like this printful thing. So much people, so, so many people there yeah. from that. I have a friend that he makes a lot of money by, he built up his blog and it's such a big one right now that he makes money from backlinks. Someone will come to him with the article already done, already, you know, written. And he just makes money from copying that article and pasting it on his website. Because apparently the higher that your Google webs, webs your website ranks on Google, when you mention someone else, like so... So you have your website on Google if in, and it ranks really high. So whatever other links you have from your website, Google will, like the algorithm will identify this as more relevant, the website that is linked in your website. So the other people's website will start ranking higher. So there is an actual person looking for the websites that rank high on Google and there's actually people that will pay you when your website is ranking high on Google for you to just post the article that I that the company has already written and they will pay you like around 300 euros to literally just press return, like enter on the entire article. You didn't have to make any f- freaking effort because the effort that you made from building up the website and ranking it high on Google and everything is already done. So you're literally are making money from like nothing, you know? So I think that that was yeah. so interesting. When I found that out, upon that, out about that, I was in shock. I kind of view that as, so that's like hiring your domain authority, which I kind of view as like a paid ad in a way because, yeah, it's, you're essentially just paying to get your domain authority higher. And I mean, if we go down like the blogging SEO route, there's so like there's you we can go down any route and there's, you know, like 10 or 20 different branches of things. I know within blogging, like that's why I do some guest posts. I don't do any like paid or anything like that because blogging is not really my main priority. But guest posting is 
great kind of doing like a swap. You can also, and you know, I'm kind of like weary, honestly, about blogging and people have a lot of opinions about this right now, especially because of AI. Um, You know, AI kind of has to pull that information from somewhere, but I very rarely go to Google now to search, which I find very interesting. I'll either go to YouTube, which is Google in a way. And I think a lot of people go to YouTube now or to ChatGPT because I know I can get my answer there. Whereas Google, you know, Google is now, I heard this recently, had like a to 4,000. I think it's closer to 4,000 word blog posts. They're really prioritizing, which is insanely long and likely nobody is going to read that. And it's like, if I want to learn how to, somebody gave us example, like boil an egg. I don't want to read a 4,000 word blog post on it, but that's what's going to rank. And that's what's going to be on page one of Google. And so, yeah, for me, it's ChatGPT all the way. There's a lot of ways you can make money with like SEO is SEO. Like, what's that going to look like? How is Google going to kind of prioritize changes with AI because I'm sure they will in the future. It'll be interesting to kind of see how that works. But yeah, you can even have a, I forget the name off the top of my head right now, but it's basically you, if you know how to rank on Google and if you know how to get to page one, and if you have like a very niched keywords and niche topic, which I think to rank for any kind of general keyword these days, even like travel finance is like kind of general. You really have to niche down into something if you want to be on page one of Google which I think is very possible. And I know people who have recently done it recently, like, you know, it takes six months to rank. So recently, like in the last year, you can build out an entire network of blogs. And then when somebody comes to you and they say, oh, I want you, and you basically just bury that blog post somewhere so that nobody ever reads it. They just want their domain authority higher when they come to you. It's like, yeah, I can upsell you and you can be on my other three blogs, you know, because all of your blogs are high ranking, all on very niche topics. So there's and it's like who would ever think of that you know you only know that if you're in the blogging space and I think that's a good example of within every single space not only blogging and SEO there's so many once you know it well and you're in the weeds of that specific space there's so many ways that you can start making more money and upselling and downselling and charging people yeah there's a lot to it but kind of like we said you have to figure out where you want to start get started from there become an expert in whatever it is you do and there's also various ways to niche down. niche down. You can niche down by service. You can niche down by industry. You can niche down by the software if you're an expert. So I know a lot of people, not a lot of people like ClickUp and Dubsado come to mind as two that are very in-depth softwares that like even I use ClickUp and I don't use it to its full capability. Like I don't have time to build out an entire ClickUp system and research it. And that's people's full-time business because they've niched down not on who they help, not on, you know, they've niched down on that specific software of ClickUp. They will only help ClickUp. So there's so many ways that you can niche down as well. There's there's a million ways to slice it, but really like start with what you enjoy. That can be anything. You know, you like Notion? Oh my gosh, I use Notion as like a note-taking app. There's so much you can do with Notion. I just looked at my screen and I saw Notion. So like, that's a good example. But you know, there's anything that you can niche down in. It's just kind of figuring out what you want to niche down. And like I said, what is going to be scalable in three, five years. If if you want to build that, like maybe you just want a freelancing job that's going to bring you a couple thousand bucks a month. And like, that's also cool. You know, maybe you don't want to build like this huge global empire, <laughs> global empire, but you know, like maybe that's not what you want to build out a team of five or 25 people. That's also cool. You know, there's a way to get to that level and then just sustain that. Yeah, you mentioned Notion. I don't know where, but I think it was a book or something that I read that there was this guy that he was just, they were talking about, you know, finding your gift, quote unquote, or finding like something that you're really good at. Because I think that people sometimes think that they have to be really good at this really big thing. 
And there was this one guy that he was really good at Evernote, which is like a notion. Instead of using Notion, I just use Evernote. I've used it for a long time and now I'm just used to it. And he was really, really good at it. And he made like this quick, like small Evernote course. And he taught people a lot of things about Evernote, blah, blah, blah. He made a lot, a lot, a lot of money because it's such a specific thing. But at the same time, you know, it's like a cheap course. Why not? I'm going to be able to use this platform that I already have in a way better way. You know, why not? Why why wouldn't I invest in this? And then he made so much money out of one thing that he knew really well how to do. You know, if you know something really well and you want to dive d- even deeper into this, I think that's a really, really good way to start. I think that this feeling of inspiration, of knowing that you can do it and you can pivot and pivot and pivot and pivot and it's not going to be a failure and it's okay. And then paired with the idea of knowing where putting your time in and just it's not it's not because people are making money with blogs that you need to build the blog and that's the only way that you're going to make money. You know, like I can't imagine myself building like a network of blogs like that doesn't sound exciting to me. I'm not interested in that. But when I think about creating an online course about intuition, that's super interesting in that and that I would spend hours on Facebook meta geeking out on, you know, the target market and how to reach the specific target group that I need to reach or that I want to reach to make X amount of money and sell X amount of course. So that's what where my passion and my gifts are, not in creating a blog. <laughs> blogging network so it doesn't make me better or worse just makes me someone that's gonna make money in a different way so yeah i think that's really helpful as as well yeah so this has been a really interesting episode i love talking i just love talking business if like anyone's listening and you are a nomad and an entrepreneur like message me wherever i'm on like all of the platforms too many platforms. Um, but yeah, I just I love talking about business and entrepreneurship. And it's funny, like little side story. When I met my partner in China, like two and a half years ago, we I really connected with him because he was also a business owner. He had a business in China at the time. And I was just like, I just I, I love talking about entrepreneurship and business and the mindset. And for me, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And that's why I love connecting with other nomads travelers, because a lot of them are freelancers, business owners, whatever it may be, and they're travelers and nomads. And for me, that's my whole life. And so I don't want to talk about, you know, what your boss made you do or what you're going to do on the weekend when you have two days off. Like, that's not where my interest is. My interest is. And so that's why I'm very specific about who I connect with now as well. Kind of like a side tangent, but I don't want to just make friends with anyone because I would rather spend my time to myself, bettering myself, relaxing, even working on my business. But the people that I do want to have around are people who are nomads and entrepreneurs and understand it. And I've connected with some really cool people in our travels, too. So, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where my priorities are. I try to really just make everything sim- as simple as possible for myself and know my boundaries and what I want and what I don't want it. Something I want, then I won't really go for it. I think that's very authentic of you. And I think that as we were talking in the beginning, when we meet more nomads and more entrepreneurs we also get exposed to different ways that we could improve ourselves our mindset and also the ways that we can make money and we even were talking in the beginning 
how even as a nomad, you can also make money offline, quote unquote, like in the physical reality. So for example, I'm a yoga teacher. I could be making money online with yoga classes online. And I've made that work in the past. But after some time, it wasn't making sense for me anymore because of several different reasons. And right now, as I am looking to slow down even more and maybe find a base for myself, I am really wanting to find more places that I could teach yoga offline, you know, like in real life with the skill that I have, I can look for yoga studios or I can create my own kind of class and then promote it on Instagram or something on a park or whatever that will look like. So many ways, like infinite ways to make money online. For me, what it really all comes down to is like, what do you want to spend your time making, creating and, and marketing? Because like I said, it's all going to take this relatively the same amount of time. Um, yeah, this has been a really, really interesting episode. I hope that any listeners really got some takeaways. And, you know, anything that we mentioned here may not be applicable to you. Like we talk about blogging. You're like, I don't want to do that. We talk about other things like I don't want to do that. Well, that's totally fine because we all have different skill sets and figure out what you enjoy and what works for you. And maybe we haven't mentioned it here, which is totally fine. Go to ChatGPT and start finding some good prompts and asking some good questions. And, you know, that's that's what I like to do. Just kind of have some fun with it and look within yourself as well. So this has been our Digital Nomad Digest segment released every single Friday on the podcast with myself and Cami. All of our links are below if you have any further questions or topics, episodes that you would like to see in future podcast episodes, then we would love to hear that as well. So thank you for joining us in this episode and we will see you in next week's episode. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode stuck out to you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials and of course, be sure to tag me at Nomad Neeks. Don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, thank you for joining me on this learning journey and I will see you next week.